Hello and welcome to Bite Side. I'm Seamus Byrne. Joining me this week is Nick Healy again. Nick, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. It is kind of weird. Uh, on a Wednesday, it is Wednesday, isn't it? On a Wednesday to discover we've got a week more of lockdown if you're in the big city, uh, restrictions everywhere else. Um, it's a weird, weird day to be here, but a good one. Yeah, and that's it. It's, you know, oh, my, I'm, I'm in that terrible, you know, fear zone right now about packs in Melbourne in a couple of months. The closer it gets, wild restrictions are still around the more likely it feels like it's just not going to be able to happen. The industry awards night has been, you know, they got ahead of, you know, as soon as the lockdown started, they were like, yeah, we're going to have to postpone because it was meant to be next Friday. And, you know, they were clearly very correct in that early decision because there's no way it was going to happen next Friday. Um, it's a awkward time right now. Can we just get some vaccines? Please, 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 please. And of course, you know, Melbourne under the spotlight too, because of something you and I both watch and are interested in. Formula One getting cancelled. That was officially yep. called uh, yesterday. A lot of the RG coming about it today. So look, lots and lots happening. I keep meaning to ask, uh, how have you gone on the hunt for vaccines? How are you doing? So I am uh, fully Pfizered up now. Um, same. I've had my, yeah, same, same, I've had same. my double. Um, yeah, and yeah, my my wife um, had the AstraZeneca. She's in a you know a group that uh, was you know allowed to sort of get that before they started lowering age groups, um, and so she had to wait twelve weeks. And so it was that hilarious thing where she got her first one, and then you know it's probably what six weeks or so into that that they then started allowing you know folks like us to get the Pfizer and. I was in and out, and then three weeks later had the second one before she'd had her second shot of the AZ. So, you know, that was just an amusing little uh, anecdote. But here in our household, it means both adults are um, fully vaxxed up now. And, um, of course, still super careful because, again, right, that's its own debate. But just it's really hard right now to even say follow the science because when we have health ministers in different states, mm. basically, or, you know, people standing around arguing with each other over the right and the wrong. And I'm like, yeah, but like even some of them aren't even following the data properly. Like, can we just please? Please is probably the way to put it. Look, it is yeah. exhausting. <laughs> I'm like, it I don't know. That was like, uh, please. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, let's just get yeah. some vaccines out to the people who need them. Um, we should kick in to the actual school students at uh, rich private schools. They're doing fine. They're doing absolutely fine. There's no issue at all. No issue at all. (laughs) Uh, You have got a couple of things to say about Biteside. Yeah. So I thought this is a good place to bring people up to speed. If you're a listener, it means you care a lot. Um, And so at the moment, I've been doing lots of different tests and things. We've had, I took a couple of weeks off. Um, Bits, which is the daily news show and the newsletter, because I just wanted to, been testing so many different things. One of the big things I wanted to test was writing more stories on the site every day, getting more news out there, just fast news stuff, not necessarily all the deeper stuff. And actually, you know, most of the budget, thanks to memberships, that budget goes towards paying external writers to contribute cool articles to the site. And so a lot of that is the, you know, is the more, the meatier, thoughtful stuff that people have, you know, really want to write a story about. So that stuff is sort of covered there. I've been playing with more fun stuff. 
and it's been doing really well. And so in terms of that effort to drive the site forward, um, I've had obviously a, a group of podcasts on the site and we're going to consolidate them down to the main bite side show. So shows like Jetpacks where we've been interviewing lots of different people in the tech industry. Those interviews are going to come over here to the bite side feed. High resolution where we've been interviewing game developers. That's all going to come over to this main feed. So it's really that idea of going, okay, I've kind of, the pattern has been those shows have often been every couple of weeks anyway. And so it feels like everything coming together will mean there'll definitely be a show every single week. I'm also going to start bringing some of the really good episodes from the last couple of years from the other shows, start kind of dropping those into this feed for people who might never have actually heard some of those other episodes and things, but ultimately to try to just slowly bring the full collection and the archive across um, into the main Bite Side show. Um, I think it'll be great because I am still have heaps of guests lined up across games and tech. Um, a couple of shows in the can that I haven't got out yet. Did a great interview with one of the people from Devolver, the game oh, uh, publisher. very cool. Literally just about Devolver and the fact that they built this weird reputation um, and, you know, their E3 showcase events are just wild and weird. Um, but ultimately, they just seem like one of the really great indie publishers and, you know, how they go about finding games. And it's just a really fun chat. And so I'm going to actually try to carefully cut that. And then, you know, in the long term, it's like, well, maybe we'll start looking at, you know, serialized type podcast stuff where it's like, okay, well, we'll produce like episode series and things like that. Because um, that seems like the stuff out there in the wider market that's working really well. But for now, just getting back to saying there's a core bite side show. We'll catch up every now and then each month. We'll have other interviews with cool people each month. And it might be sometimes there'll be two episodes in a week. Um, but there'll definitely always be an episode every single week. Um, and yeah, I think it's really great. Lots more stuff to read on the site. That's also kind of cool right now. I know we're going to get into some stuff about shows and things uh, as part of today's chat, but, um, you know, today we've got a story that's actually doing quite well, talking about the fact that this weekend on Dungeons & Dragons' official Twitch channel, they're going to screen the 1980s Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, which is bloody great. And oh, hang on, no, enough, no, you know, just, no, no way. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, and it's the kind of thing where I'm like, ah, oh, that's a fun thing to share with people. And I'm like, oh writing more stuff like that rather than trying to, you know, fit it in somewhere else or just tweet it or whatever. I'm like, oh, this actually seems like a thing that is working well for what, you know, what can help Byteside grow into a site that becomes sustainable. So that's awesome fun. And I am going to watch the hell out of Dungeons & Dragons this weekend. <laughs> I have had to go and look this up because I was just like, absolutely, what? I vaguely remember this. I'd forgotten all about it. And I'm just absolutely stunned to learn that the voice of Eric the Cavalier was Ralph Mouth from Happy Days. Oh, I, yeah, I did not place that, like, ever. Who would? Why would I, anyone do, I remember that? that Willie Ames was the ranger. Adam Rich, Nicholas from Eight is Enough, is the magician. <laughs> I'm having a, this is, is really. It's quite this, a cast. This is quite a car. I'm really, this is doing my head in. This is amazing. Yeah, and look, I, I even actually noticed the production company behind it. You know, they made the classic Spider-Man and Incredible Hulk cartoons. 
Uh, they made this. This got cancelled before the end of its third season, which is kind of, in an animation sense, you almost think, yeah, aren't they working far enough in advance that you'd let them finish the season and then call it? But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but, yeah, so lots of people are always like, oh, they should, like, do a fourth season or they should do this or do that. But you're like, in hindsight, this company, I think the next year after they had finished this, they started making the Transformers cartoon. And you're kind of like, that's for them as a company, that was probably a really good decision to go, hmm, let's put our eggs over into this basket over here and it becomes one of the biggest cartoons of the 1980s. <laughs> and I've got to say, a particularly good decision because they brought over the voice of Venger, the voice of evil, a little man called Peter Cullen, who, of course, might be the best-known voice of Optimus Prime anywhere and the most loved voice of Optimus Prime. Ah, oh, so good. So, so good. All right, okay. Good. So, all right, I'm going to have to work out how... Twitch works now, so I can watch that. <laughs> Sounds absolutely amazing. Um, look, so it's going to be very early Saturday morning local time, but you, you know, I'm like, I'm not sure if they're going to just keep repeating it all weekend. Sometimes that's the kind of thing people do on a Twitch thing when they're doing something like this. But even if you don't watch it at, right at that moment, usually for at least a week, that stream will be available in the kind of archive of recent streams. So you should be able to dive in and press play and basically watch it from the start all the way through, um, just via the Twitch D&D channel. <laughs> okay, I'm, gonna, I'm genuinely going to have to do that. That's my weekend sorted. This is yeah, fantastic. Buy, buy a box of sugary cereal, get up on Saturday morning. <sighs> this is wild. I'm going to have to. This is so good. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. Nostalgia. I'm just wondering how bad it's going to be because, you know, a lot of – there wasn't necessarily a lot of respect for the medium and the format back in those 80s cartoons. Yeah, and it's, I mean, right. So have you never seen any of it? Oh, no, I've seen it, but like back oh, in yeah. the 80s, and I, I barely remember it. Yeah. It's even funny thinking back on the fact that it's totally first edition Dungeons & Dragons because it started in 1983, so it was all still pretty fresh. And uh, it was, like, so the classes of the group of kids, it's it's got the weird things like the Cavalier, the Acrobat, it's not a rogue, it's a thief. You know, like it was such genuinely first edition Dungeons yeah. & Dragons. Though Tiamat's there, right? Like right out of the gate, they're like, and we'll, we'll bring one of the biggest, baddest monsters of the game into this, which is kind of awesome too. Yeah, sure, with Frank Welker, who of course is Fred from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's great. All right, look, we could... <laughs> We could wax lyrical on that one all day, but you brought one to the table that we do want to kind of dig into a little bit. A crowdfunded beer for esports. How Nick. wild is this? How much fun does this sound like too? It's it's just a remarkable thing. It's Gravitas wanting to crowdfund an esports beer. And look, I've got to admit, I, I looked at that and I was like, I don't know the team. I don't really understand what's happening here. But, you know, it, in terms of recognising marketing, recognising how sponsorship works and even just recognising how interesting people are, interested people are in esports, this is a really, really big deal because this isn't a small brewery necessarily. They know what they're doing. They're looking to call it the Gravitas Glory Beer. Um, they're talking about it being sort of um, uh, not quite a sponsorship but a really bit of a... 
I don't know, an acknowledgement of the work that these guys are doing. They want to brew it in Victoria at Urban Alley. They're bringing all of this stuff together and they're really pushing it as the very first esports beer produced for an esports team in Australia, which makes me wonder, has there been one done overseas? I haven't looked into that yet. I'd be shocked, genuinely shocked, if this wasn't the first in the world. That's yeah. Look, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I've I've had a few chats with Sean Cullinan, who runs and owns at least most of, if not the whole thing, of Gravitas. But he's a he is actually you know a sports marketing guy. Um, you know, as in sort of works around the world. He's an Aussie, but works around the world in sports marketing and helping like sports orgs to do smarter digital marketing. So I know he you know really started to see. Um, you know, esports is a really interesting place to start exploring. Um, quite a few years ago, because Gravitas has now been around for three or four seasons in the League of Legends. Um, but yeah, look, it, it totally fits with, with knowing him. I'm like, this is actually, this is great. This is totally, <laughs> totally a short color and kind of an idea to just, I'm sure he'd probably hear this and then tell me, actually, someone else came up, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, it is. It's great to kind of watch a team, and they're even taking the piss out of themselves. I noticed because they're not, you know, they're not one of the top flight teams in the league. They are really good at scoring the occasional upset victory uh, against, you know, sort of more fancied rivals from time to time. Um, but there's one of the lines here um, where was it? Um, be- yeah, believe us. You need a good beer after the roller coaster of watching some Gravitas games. <laughs> I love that. I love the fact they described it as, uh, you know, medium body, slight haze, smashable, just like the opposing team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's it. It is great that they're having fun with it. Um, I really do feel like I'm going to have to, you know, and like, it seems like the right way to do a partnership like this with a brewery to do it through because it's a possible campaign. So it means essentially they're running a big pre-order system mm. and it's just kind of really a nice way to not even have to kind of go, well, we need to make a thousand cases of these things and then hope we can move them. It's a really good fit for doing small batch, smart, you know, brewing that's going to actually help do a bit of promo for both sides, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, not have anybody feeling like they got left in the hole at the end of it because, you know, it didn't quite do as well as they wanted or wherever it might be. And fully funded now with a few days left to go. So that's the good news. Yeah. Look, I'll have to make sure I'm, I'll have this episode up this afternoon being Wednesday so that you will then know you have four days left, ladies and gentlemen, four days. Get your pledge in. There'll be a link in the notes. Or, you know, you don't have to. You don't have to if you don't want to. If you're having dry July, still order it. Just drink it in August. Order it, sit on it until August. Absolutely perfect. perfect. Look, I hate to bring this up, but I've got to because my hunt for the white whale continues. I still cannot get a PlayStation 5. (laughs) It it has actually got ridiculous. I have had, and I I went and checked this, I've had the same five tabs open since, (laughs) since February this year. I get into work each morning at about 20 past 5 a.m. and I just refresh all of them just in the hope that something's happened and I've got just enough time to get in there. I came incredibly close, as I think we spoke about last time. It was sold out from under me while it was in my shopping cart. Oh, 
very unhappy about That's that. That's nasty. Yeah, it was really unhappy about that. Uh, but no, there hasn't even been any updates that I've seen suggesting that I might be close. And look, you know, um, Sony, in one of their earnings calls a couple of months ago, I believe basically said they see no end to supply constraint before 2022. Um, so, you know, for anybody who kind of hoped, well, you know, I'll get it next year, second Christmas, that'll be the time I get it. It's like, maybe no, not. it's probably still going to be re- like you. I, I have faith, Nick, the fact that you are this committed, you're doing the refresh cycle every morning, <laughs> you're up early, you know, that's a champion move. You've got that opportunity being on radio first thing in the morning to go, all right, let's check it. Let's, uh, they may be like, maybe they're updating the, you know, the inventory systems at about 8.30 a.m. when you're still on the air. Anything's possible. Anything is possible here. I'm going to stay on this. I absolutely am. I've decided I want one. But it's got to make, it genuinely makes me curious. How many are out there? Who, who, who are playing PlayStation 5 games? Who are these games being made for? What is the spread actually like? And is it impacting the devs? Are they looking at that and thinking, well, yeah, we want to be making games for this platform, but where's the reach? Shall we actually doing better to make it for PlayStation 4 still? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's an awesome question because exactly like, uh, I'm trying to remember, there was, I think it might be some, Ubisoft game that's coming soon where people were kind of giving them a hard time about the fact that something they're working on like isn't going to be on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. And you're like, these people have had to plan well in advance. Surely in that planning cycle, there are certain new games that they have to be saying, we want to both you know, make the development process easier by not trying to develop for forward different consoles in terms of final outputs and debugging and all that kind of jazz and and just say yeah by now thinking you know two years ago probably they're like by that point surely next generation will be the main generation and we can just commit and now that's kind of feeling like a a harder choice to have made just because of everything else that's been going on um especially if someone does think about you know being an exclusive sony developer um that side of it has got to be sort of really hard as well. Whereas, I, you know, it does seem like in a lot of ways that this has all been an awesome opportunity for Xbox to start being more widely... Like, you, it's still hard to get a Series X, but you can get a Series S if you want to get one. Apparently, that's pretty comfortable at the moment. And the fact that it is so Game Pass-centric and that it is so easy for someone to now just say, hey, I'm just going to try out a month of Game Pass because I can, you know, pretty soon, I can just boot that up on my TV set without anything but a controller. And you could use a PlayStation controller to play Xbox Game Pass via a TV when that app rolls out. Like, man, there's a really big opportunity there for when you think towards the end of the year when that is rolled out across TV sets and all sorts of things, um, just making it so easy for people to go, well, screw it. I'm just going to try it for a month. And if, if they like it, there's a whole different game in town.
There is a whole different game in town. And look, really quickly, um, while we're talking about consoles, of course, brand new Nintendo Switch dropped, and it was not what anyone hoped it would be, I don't think. Um, Nintendo, a weird swing and a miss for them on a naming category as well, because it's just called the Nintendo Switch open bracket OLED model close bracket. Yeah. It, it's funny, isn't it? They didn't... It's didn't almost like they, they couldn't even get away with saying the Switch HD no. or something that, you know, like in past years, like in all the handhelds where you get the... Well, they could have gone with the Switch I or the Switch... Some, you know, they could have... Switch O. I mean, I'm just, it's funny because I was surprised. I did feel like the whole, you know, this whole... I, I don't follow it that closely on the Nintendo side. So everyone talking about there's a 4K with an upgraded processor coming. I'm like, okay, sure. I'll believe you. So when I saw that this was, okay, it's an OLED screen at 720p, it's slightly bigger, smaller bezels, so that it's exactly the same size, with a better kickstand, built-in Ethernet, <laughs> better speakers on in handheld mode, and just all those little kinds of things where you go, oh, and like 64 gig storage instead of 32. And you're like, um... Cool, but that's uh, it. But it's kind of the same. Like I realize everything about the technology was available in 2017 when the Switch first launched. So there's no part of this that is they couldn't have done this when it first launched. What they couldn't have done was done this when it first launched and still make all of the money based on whatever the launch price was. Um, so it, I can see there's a lot of disappointed folks out there but someone pointed out that on like the 3ds and the game boy they pretty much it was almost every year that they did have like these new models coming out or at least every one or two years Mm-mm. where they added letters and this and that and so from people kind of saying well there's no way they could launch a pro next year if they follow their own handheld model mo- like history then maybe they will just kind of go yeah, we don't care. We just put like a new one out every year with slightly upgraded bits and pieces. Just maybe, you know, just in time for Breath of the Wild next year, perhaps. You maybe know, that like, is oh, all man. they care about, and maybe it is just catching people who hadn't made the decision yet. I mean, if you hadn't bought a Switch, obviously you're going to buy this one. But we're yeah, we're still this talking, is really nice. We're still talking about a five hundred and forty buck console. Yeah. That's a lot yeah. of money for a handheld. It's a huge amount of money. Like I'm only looking at paying two hundred bucks more than that for a PlayStation Five. Yeah, yeah. And it really is that feeling where I'm like, so if they do a pro next year, are they just going to basically go, well, we're going to charge 750 bucks for that because we can when Nintendo and are. we know that people will give us the money we want them to give us. <laughs> it is so confusing. Anyway, there we go. That's all. Also, I'm yeah. still playing uh, Days Gone, even though I said last time uh, I wasn't really enjoying it and it was relentlessly average. Um, it is, and I'm not. And I'm still playing it. <laughs> but and I can't still stop. playing it. And it, it Look, just... I can't laugh at you. I still play World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> but you actually enjoy that, and I can't tell if I'm enjoying this. It's got all of the features I expect from an Ubisoft game in that it's the same gameplay and the same missions, just in a new area and a different <laughs> yeah. person giving it to you, and you've got to unlock some stuff, and then you go and do... The same missions and the same style of gameplay in that a slightly like different area. It, it's just, I don't know, and yet here I am, and the acting's bad, and the main <laughs> character is the least likable character uh, and the least fleshed-out character in the entire game, and yet here we are, 
I'm playing it. I'll go home tonight and I'll play it. And I don't know what's happening and it's annoying the hell out of me and I really hope they don't make a sequel. (laughs) Shall we talk about Loki? Let's. Because I got really confused last night. I sat down and I could not for the life of me work out why there wasn't a new Loki to watch. And that's because this week made me feel like last night was Wednesday. So tonight (laughs) I get to actually watch the new Loki. Are you enjoying it? I... I will absolutely say I'm enjoying the experience of watching that show each week for the time I'm watching it. It's beautiful to watch. There's cool characters in it. The performances are great. I'm not sure if the story is doing it for me, but the experience of watching it, I'm thoroughly enjoying. How about you? Well, and I I will just say we may get into spoiler territory here. Um, So if you haven't watched the, I think there's been four episodes already, just to be warned, we may drop a few things here and there, uh, not ruining it, but they could be considered as spoilers. I am a little worried that actually it is a fairly average and quite bad show, actually, but I keep getting distracted by how good it looks and not noticing that. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm saying this very carefully. And yes, it's all right not to like things. And yes, yes, yes. And I get that. And, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not saying that you should feel bad. Everyone has to agree with me. If you're enjoying it. (laughs) But I don't think it's a good show. (laughs) Yeah. Look, I'm a thousand percent with you on the aesthetic of this show in that we adore it. Ah. Like myself, the kids, Sally. I mean, you know, Sally's an art history person and design nut. And so, you know, we're just all over this whole mid-century aesthetic. And even, you know, the the view of the TVA, like this kind of total, you know, retro-futurism city um, that's totally in my, you know, design nerd wheelhouse. I love it. Um, I, like, I feel the thing that is hitting me is I do feel like, there is a pattern emerging to particularly off the back of WandaVision, which was kind of more the, you know, let's have a confusing first series of episodes mm. and then it all starts to fall into place at the end. I feel like there's an element of this here and I'm really kind of worried that, you know, Marvel needs to be careful not to make this a really clear pattern in their shows because the fact that, um, we get, you know, that there's this whole, it's going to blow it all wide open in the, uh, after, you know, in the credits little kind of mini scene at the end of the last episode, which was episode four, I think. And suddenly you're like, oh, there's something very different going on here than we've thought. You're like, that, that feels a lot like what they've already done. And to then sort of add to that, that sense that, well, then episode five, the second last episode, is going to be where they do a giant explainer episode on here's everything you haven't understood about what's really going on, and then you get your kind of final episode that you know tries to fit all the loose ends together and make it all make sense by the end. Yeah. And it just, I'm like, that is all, that's starting to really feel like a formula, and I please don't turn these things into formulas because you've been... Right, we've only had three of these Marvel TV shows so far, so it's hard to really complain. But 
it's getting close to being very, very, very formulaic. Look, it's true. We have only had three, and one of them I forgot I even watched because <laughs> forgot it was even yeah, um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier just didn't go where it needed to go to be a particularly memorable show. Um, I think what you need more, and here's where we might get the spoiler territory, you need more than a Richard E. Grant cameo to make yeah. this seem like you're going to come out of the woodwork and go, bam, you weren't expecting that, were you? No, I wasn't. But it also wasn't particularly interesting as a little twist at the end. I mean, I, you know, no yeah. one sat around thinking, oh, God, Loki's dead now. That's the end of the show. I mean, we knew there had to be something else coming along. We're not surprised by it. And yes, I love the David Lynch remakes video game control aesthetic of the entire thing. I think it's fabulous. I think it's perfect. I'm really loving it. But I don't know. It just it it's so out of continuity in its own way, which is kind of problematic. I, I'm just not, you know. It's unless they answer this, you know, where was the TVA for all of Endgame? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, where, where were they? How do variants work? If if the TVA is so good at pruning a branch almost seconds after it's happened, how can there be genuine variants? They don't have time to look like that demonic Loki we saw very briefly in a hologram and things like that. Like, how is that possible if all the pruning happens mere seconds? If... If the problems with a split timeline yeah. is it becomes so dangerous so quickly, then there can't be any variation, not re- not major variation, can there? I just feel like they've come out with an amazing idea, not really worked their way through it, and are hoping that if they just do everything fast enough and loud enough, no one will notice. And, yeah, I totally enjoyed the first couple of episodes. It really, I guess, is just the way it, I don't know, there was... Like there was kind of an awkwardness to bringing in Sylvie, who I love. Like I love, and I the episode where the two of them are sort of just, you know, trying to get out of you know the place that they've gone to. I can't remember which which one of the Armageddon's they'd gone to, but then mm. like that was kind of great. I really enjoyed that whole idea and exploring variant Lokis as a concept, all that sort of stuff, um, I thought, but like I say, I think the performances themselves, I'm like totally enjoying, it really is that idea of have they let themselves down with the, you know, I guess with the arc of what is this series actually going to be about and did we have to once again make everybody wait until the very, very, very final moments for it to be realised as an idea, because, yeah, that's the bit I think is getting played out at the moment. I couldn't agree more, and I'm hoping it's not that way, but they don't have long to make sure it doesn't go that way. Should we talk about some of the TV shows we're kind of more looking forward to? Yes. I am so psyched. I actually wrote about it earlier this week, and we had a lot of people read the story, which was always good to see, but I am super psyched for Noah Hawley getting to lead an Aliens... TV show, so based in the world of Alien and that whole Xenomorph thing. Noah Hawley, a guy behind Fargo TV series and Legion TV series. Uh, And in an interview at Vanity Fair, he talked about the idea that what he wants the show to be is all about the kind of roots of the first two shows being really about, like, 
the working class and the grunt class of people being kind of thrown to the slaughter while the corporation is trying to work out how it can make money off the problem. And I'm like, that is that is a big part of what the first two movies delivered on in that. It was like a subtle part of the story, but it really gave it weight in a way that when the later kind of movie started to try to be more about, you know, what's the lore of where did they originally come from and the space jockey and all that mm, stuff, I'm mm, like, mm. I love the idea of that, but they didn't execute on that well. But this idea of, you know, making your final stand to kind of hold back these things and contain them while there are these corporate forces trying to work out how do we not really kill them, more like use it somehow. You're like, there's some real meat there, and I think that will be great in a TV series. And I think he'll do an incredible job with it. I mean, you mentioned a few of the things he's done. He actually is the creator and EP of a one-season wonder show that I absolutely love called The Unusuals that was an attempt to do a, a dramedy cop way before Brooklyn Nine-Nine based on the ethos of MASH. And it was, I thought, incredibly successful. I was absolutely gutted that it didn't get a second season. Jeremy Renner in it um, way before we oh. kind of really had been bored by Jeremy Renner. It's oh God, very good. Check it out. It is excellent. But, yeah, I, look, I've read some of his books because he's an excellent fiction writer. Um, I have a lot of faith that he can do something novel and, uh, and genuinely fascinating with this. Yeah, and, like, set here on Earth. You know, so I think that's a great little idea. As in the interview, he sort of says, the stakes are immediately higher when it comes to containment if you are already here on Earth, not like what if they get home. It's like they're already here. We really have to not let this thing get out of control. Yeah. I, look, I'm really keen, and, and I hope it doesn't get bogged down, as you said, in the weird decisions that Prometheus and, and Covenant made to try and work out some kind of bizarre law around it. I, I, I mean, they were forgettable as movies almost instantly, yeah. and it's pretty hard to pop Idris Elba, Elba in a movie and forget it immediately. I but, introduced the kids to, and Sally actually had never watched it. We, we watched Aliens last night, and my God, that holds up well. It is so good. Sigourney Weaver, such a badass. Ripley, incredible character. Oh, man, that was so good. So good. They were. They were excellent. And, 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 and having it tightly put together is what makes it unbelievably good. And it, to me, it's always been horror first, science fiction second. And I just don't feel like that necessarily got followed through. Yeah. So what are you excited for? Well, yeah, this is an interesting one because I think that's probably what's been piquing my attention. I'm interested in what might happen with Good Omens Season 2. I I don't know how I felt about Season 1, to be honest, and, and it's yeah. one of those weird things of just having read the book back when it came out over and over and over again yeah. that I felt, I don't know, maybe a little let down in some stages, by how that show went. It was as good as they could have done. I would have actually famously thought of it as completely unfilmable. They did quite a good job, but does it need a second season? I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Look, look, it is. It's a really good question. I think, like, I am I'm feeling quietly optimistic because I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, Gaiman is directly involved he has very clearly pointed out that they actually did outline a concept for a sequel. Um, 
back in the day, you know, before Terry Pratchett passed away, and the idea that it's you know that the core of this idea that is going to be created was something that was you know uh, designed by the two of them, um, you know, back around the time that the book first came out, and they were thinking about okay, what kind of an outline would we do? Um, that's the thing that gives me some optimism around it and in some ways it's like well if it is then essentially being written for the screen without having had to hold to what was as you say a very nigh unfilmable book (laughs) um, then it might mean it sort of has a little bit more freedom to just be a great tv show um, and not sort of need to hold to any specific uh, you know, elements that are in a book that fans would be like, "Oh my god, they didn't, they didn't do the thing." They didn't do the thing. And uh, look, I just you, when you get out of the written material, and yes, I'm looking at you, Game of Thrones. You're kind of in uncharted territory. You're in a here, there be dragons. There's yes. Maybe too many dragons, and maybe dragons <laughs> no, where you don't want them. And I just don't know. I just don't know. I, I this is where I'm at. We're back here again. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think as an easy last thing that I want to mention, Succession Season 3, it's coming in a couple of months. Um, I like that they haven't really bothered, you know, trying to build that thing up for for month, you know, for like half a year or something. They've just gone, Season 3, it's coming in the spring. You won't have to wait too long for it. Um, and, you know, I loved the first two seasons of that. The th- Second season finished in such a fascinating place with the big power play finally sort of coming. And the fact that I like, I still love that look on uh, Logan's face as Kendall is kind of making the big announcement that, you know, he's going to unravel everything that Logan's done. But he has that like look of respect on his face because he's like, all right, he's done it. Um, I'm excited about that. And then uh, Ted Lasso is only a couple of weeks away. Very excited for season two of Ted Lasso. I will have to get around to season one. I'll have to finally do it. Everyone's been telling me how good it is. I'll do it. I will. I promise. I'm on it. Have have you watched The Detectorists? No. I'm just not even going to bother then. Yeah, okay. Done. (laughs) Done. I am working my... It's another pleasant show, like, but, you know, with its own different vibe. Anyway, there's two shows Cozy shows are great, but then, you know, of course, you've got Mayor of Easttown, and and that wasn't cozy, and that was exactly what I felt like. Yeah, I I need to watch that. Yeah, you really do. I'm going to leave you with a a fascinating little piece of um, trivia here. The voice of the Dungeon Master, Sidney Miller, from the Dungeons & Dragons 80s animated show also directed a whole bunch of Get Smart, The Monkeys, and The Addams Family. Oh, oh my God. Man, <laughs> it's going to turn out that the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon is like one of those Kevin Bacon Nexus type <laughs> events where, every, just to even somehow bring Loki into this, it's like a Nexus event of all these other amazing properties that have existed throughout Hollywood history. (laughs) Almost definitely. Almost definitely. We're on it. Shall we wrap it up? Yes, let's do it. Nick, where can people find you and your staff? Find me on Twitter. Not that I'm doing a lot there at the moment. It's at DR underscore Nick. That's Dr. Nick. Uh, And if you are using the ABC Listen app, even if you're not uh, around the Western Plains, you can have a listen to my brekkie show on ABC. Just use the Listen app to select ABC Western Plains.
Awesome. And if you have thoughts on what shows you're looking forward to, you can email us, ask at biteside.com or tweet at us at biteside. And there are, as I said earlier, lots of stories covered at biteside.com. Grab our RSS feed or follow us on Flipboard. I'm enjoying, enjoying using Flipboard again sometimes. It's a really lovely place to just read stuff. It feels like social media without it having all the crap of social media. So, you know, that's positive. Um, and, yeah, catch us in all those places. I'm, of course, Seamus. You can follow me at Seamus. And we will catch you again really soon. <laughs>